Welcome to the Nicholas and Tally Show, where we chat with entrepreneurs, experts, and entertainers to help you live a more fulfilling life and take your business to the next level. This week on the podcast, we are continuing our Money 101 series. In this series, we've covered behaviors of the wealthy, budgeting, debt, traditional versus Roth IRAs, and today we're covering investing. Let's go, baby. If you're not connected with me on Instagram at Nicholas Itali, please do so. I post valuable content on there daily. Big news, if you haven't heard the word buzzing on the street, we're doing a giveaway for podcast listeners only. As you know, I've created an online course called Get Out of Debt Like a Maniac. It's pretty fantastic if I do say so myself. What this course does is it explains exactly how to get out of debt, manage your money, and build a life toward financial freedom. It breaks down seemingly complex topics like credit and compound growth and makes them super easy to understand. It has over 50 video lessons covering debt, budgeting, cutting expenses, credit, etc. and is constantly being updated based on the most frequently asked questions by members. Plus, you'll have access to me. I do a live weekly group training with members of the course to help ensure your financial success. To win a free seat in this course, leave a five-star review, screenshot it, and post it to your Instagram story and tag me at Nicholas Itali. You'll be entered to win. I'll be choosing three winners by November 5th. Be sure to enter to win. If free isn't your thing, you can snag your good lamb seat by heading to courses.nicholasitali.com and using the promo code the show 30 you'll get 30% off your order. That's courses.nicholasitali.com. Promo code the show 30 for 30% off. Riddle of the week, why couldn't the chili practice archery? Stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out. This episode was professionally mixed Mixed and mastered by a gentleman who needs no introduction, Grant Singer, the audio engineer wizard. If you'd like Grant to audio engineer your podcast, film, or music, click the link to singerville.com in the show notes or reach out to him on Instagram at Grant E. Singer. That was the intro. Now here is the episode. Let's start with the best investment of them all. Yourself. That's right. I said it. The best investment you can make is in yourself. Investing in yourself takes on many forms, and this is something that I would say I've finally begun to understand just this year. Let me run through a few examples of good ways to invest in yourself. First, surround yourself with people who are encouraging you, pushing you to be better, or who are even at a place that you want to be at. If you don't think your homies are a form of investment in yourself, think again, brothers and sisters. We are the average of the five people we hang out with most. And oftentimes, my hot take is we are the average net worth of the five people we hang out with most. So hang out with individuals who are going places because these are the people that help shape you. The influences you allow around you are a form of investment in yourself. If you surround yourself with encouraging and ambitious individuals, you're investing encouraging and ambitious traits into yourself. Friendships and relationships should be intentional because they are an investment. Secondly, think about the type of person you would like to become and be intentional about creating habits that you're going to want for the rest of your life. The most notable ones are creating good financial habits, exercising, eating well, stretching. For me, I wish I would have started stretching way earlier in life. I just got started and I wish I had a statistic about how many people can touch their toes but I didn't want to look it up because I also didn't want to have to admit that I would be contributing to that st- statistic because I, I cannot, but I will. I will I will touch my toes eventually. We get one body, and the earlier we begin taking care of it, the greater our longevity. So invest in your health. 
That's a form of investing in yourself. Thirdly, developing a work ethic that is unmatched is a form of investment in yourself. Above average results take an above average work ethic. And I refuse to expand on this because I've played this harp about one, two, three many times, if you ask me. (laughs) I've explained it too many times is what I'm trying to say. Fourthly, we're keeping this train moving. Become an expert in your field. Whatever it is you're into, and you don't have to be into it forever, I'm a full believer of changing your mind if it's advantageous. However, there is no substitution for expertise. Learn how you learn, and take every opportunity to learn as much as you can. Get in touch with knowledgeable people in your field. Consume yourself in the things you like to do as often as you can. The thing that you're doing and the thing that you're learning about should feel life-giving. That doesn't mean it isn't difficult, but learning more about this thing should always bring you a degree of stoke, as they say. Become an expert in your field. Fifth way you can invest in yourself is to measure your progress. Document where you are today so you have data as you work toward your goals. Data and decision-making go hand-in-hand, baby. They do. In line with investing in yourself, I have three book recommendations for you. They're classics. Three classic book recommendations that have had an impact on my mindset. I've read each of these books multiple times, and I'm just saying that to prove to you that I know how to read. The first book is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Classic, classic, classic. My favorite quote from this book, and I'm going to paraphrase it, is everyone is trying to hit a base knock, so why go for singles when you could hit a home run? Basically saying, many people hope to skate by, and that leaves the top wide open. This instilled a mindset in me that anything is possible, and I can also get there by working smarter, not harder. I really love the idea that the top is wide open for the taking because everybody is just shooting for singles. I love that. The next book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. This book helped me socially. I know a lot of entrepreneurs talk about this book and how it's helped them with their business connections, but overall, it helped me learn how to navigate social circumstances with more clarity early on in life. Think and Grow Rich, it's my third choice. I first read this book when I was 19, and it gave me insight into how powerful the mind is. I am a naturally obsessive person when it comes to accomplishing the things that I want. However, this book showed me that if you are relentless about accomplishing something, it can become a reality. If I remember correctly, he opens the book discussing how he helped his born deaf son into having better hearing because he was so fixated on wanting him to hear. The power of faith and believing that something will happen. I am slowly adding all of my book recommendations onto my site. This is probably going to be on shop.nicholasnatalia.com. I'll put that link in the show notes so you can see all of them as that book recommendation list continues to grow. Let's dive into investing with your cash money. Index funds, in my opinion, are the best relatively safe and passive way to invest. Index funds outperform individual investors 99% of the time, as well as outperform hedge funds 85% of the time. Index funds are my bread and butter investment strategy, and I'm going to walk you through 
exactly what you need to know to get started. And I'm also going to cover what a mutual fund is, what an ETF is, and what a target date index fund is. Who's excited, baby? I know I am. Starting with mutual funds, we ask ourselves the question, what is a mutual fund? Mutual funds were originally created for a bunch of people to pool their money and make investments together. So now we could even word it as mutual funds are a bunch of people mutually contributing to a fund. Huh? Inside of a mutual fund, there are a bunch of different stocks, and there is a fund manager whose sole job is to try and choose stocks that will outperform the market. Fun fact, a little fun fact for you about mutual funds, the ticker symbol for a mutual fund will always end in an X. It's a surefire way to know if you're looking at a mutual fund or not is by looking at that ticker symbol. Now let's talk about the benefits of mutual funds. Mutual funds make investing easier. It's a fact. By investing in a mutual fund, you get to own a bunch of different stocks all in one place. Mutual funds can have hundreds of different stocks in it, but you only have to make one purchase. How neato is that? Think about it. If we didn't have mutual funds and you wanted 300 different stocks in your portfolio, you'd have to buy 300 different stocks, meaning you'd pay trading commissions 300 different times and you'd have to go through 300 different individual stocks in front of your computer and buy and buy and buy like sync, buy, buy, buy. Talk about expensive. Talk about time consuming. Imagine wanting to buy someone a present. Would you rather buy 300 different presents or buy one present with 300 different presents inside of it? It's October, all right? I'm just trying to get in the holiday, holiday spirit. By investing via a mutual fund, you get instant ownership in all the stocks that the mutual fund already owns. And owning a lot of stocks all at once gives you diversification, which is the next major benefit of mutual funds. Diversification. Imagine SpongeBob with his hands making a rainbow that says diversification inside of it. Diversification. It's a strategy that reduces your investing risk by spreading out your investments. Instead of having all of your money in just a single stock, you spread it out. You spread your money out across many different stocks. The old phrase, where are the eggs? Are they in your one basket that you own or are they in the 300 baskets? You're spreading out that egg. How diversification reduces risk is because if one of the stocks in the mutual fund absolutely botches, just crashes hard, <laughs> you'll still be fine because each stock is only a small portion of your overall portfolio. If one stock crashes, you got 299 other ones waiting for them. Wait, waiting just going up. Shouldn't say waiting for them. You have 299 other stocks that are going up. Mutual funds essentially provide diversification that would be hard to replicate on your own. Now let's talk about the cons of mutual funds. Shall we? Shall we get negative? Is this a, a positive space, safe space, or are we going to bring some negativity into it? We're bringing negativity into it. Let's talk about the cons. It's managed by an investment professional. What? That sounds like a good thing, right? 
Ha! Let me explain. Let me explain what these so-called investment professionals do, and then I'll tell you why it lands itself in the cons category for me. So, rather than trying to find stocks on your own, you have some super smart fund manager who supposedly knows what they're doing pick the stocks for you. (laughs) The manager's purpose is to try and choose stocks to beat the market. That way, people don't have to buy 300 stocks and worry about the logistics. They just buy into this mutual fund, and this manager does the trading on their behalf. Most of the money goes back to the investors, but the manager charges a fee for their service. They they have a livelihood. They have a salary. They have probably a family. Food needs to be on the table, and they charge a fee for their service, and there's the con, the fee. Additionally, on average, no one beats the market. You're just trying to match the market. Mutual funds with these fees cause them to almost always fall below the market performance. And win or lose, whether your investment increases or tanks, you know who's getting some money? The manager gets their money. So let's say it's a 2% fee. 2% every single year. That's going to have a huge impact on your returns. That could end up costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars by the time you're ready to retire. And someone managing the mutual fund is usually referred to as the fund being actively managed. Mutual funds are actively managed. And actively managed usually means they come with high fees. And more often than not, the mutual fund performance is not worth the high fees. So there you have it. What's an index fund? We covered mutual funds. Boom, we got them on lock. We know exactly what a mutual fund is. How about an index fund? An index fund is a way for you to have a piece of many different companies. It's a portfolio of stocks or bonds designed to follow the performance of the market. Let's take an index fund that follows the S&P 500, for example. The index is the 500 biggest companies in the U.S., and if you buy into this index fund, you now own a piece of all 500 companies. In the 1970s, Jack Bogle, former CEO of Vanguard, also the founder, said, Hey, I have had enough of you mutual fund managers charging your fees to the common man. So he birthed the index fund. And to clarify... Index funds are a type of mutual fund. All index funds are mutual funds, but not all mutual funds are index funds. An index fund will clearly state that it's an index fund because it'll have the word index in the title of it. And since they're mutual funds, their ticker symbol will also always end with an X. Unlike traditional mutual funds, index funds are passively managed. Little chef's kiss, let me kiss the cook. Whichever one you prefer. How beautiful is that? They're passively managed. This means that rather than paying an expensive fund manager to actively manage the fund, or whatever he does, (laughs) the fund simply and automatically purchases stocks to follow an index. And which stocks get purchased is based on an index. And to me, I view an index as a list of stocks. But it also... Uh, is a representative sample of the stock market. But really, if it's an index fund that follows S&P 500, you can just think the index is 
the 500 stocks. And the goal of an index fund is for it to match the risk and return of the market because that will usually outperform any single investment, as we've stated. It's difficult to underperform the market because when you invest in an index fund, you essentially just bought the entire market. And since you just bought the entire market, you're almost guaranteeing yourself market growth with minimal volatility. So here we go. Index funds. Passively managed, which means they have low fees. They usually have a minimum investment amount. And this minimum investment amount typically is three grand. Three G's, $3,000, dollar sign at the front of it. You can only trade them once per day. Same with mutual funds. So mutual funds, when you trade them, like let's say you bought it at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m., you bought an index fund, and you're like, oh, man, I wish I had my index fund. <laughs> it it goes through at the end of the day when the stock market is closed, so you'll get your your index fund at the end of the day because you can only buy and trade uh, once per day. Buy and sell. You only trade index funds once per day. So when purchasing an index fund, you want one that follows as closely to the market as possible. And if you're getting hung up on you can only trade them once per day, let me just rattle your brain real quick. That shouldn't matter to us. We're going to buy this index fund and hold it for the next 40 years. What's the, what is three hours going to do? What three hour difference is, is going to demolish our returns? It's not. So let me just recap some of the benefits of an index fund. They include low expenses and fees. Fees are the killers of investments, and this is so true that the Financial Research Corporation conducted a study to determine which of the 11 common predictors of mutual fund performance actually work, and they found that the only reliable predictor of future mutual fund performance is a lower expense ratio. How about that? And the reason index funds have lower expenses and fees is because they're passively managed rather than actively managed. There's not some guy in there or woman manager actively swapping and trading stocks left and right. And the stocks are purchased automatically to follow an index, which means lower expenses, which means more money returning to you, the individual investor, than the guy who's trying to swap the stocks inside the fund. Next benefit, the goal of an index fund is to match the risk and return of the market because that'll usually outperform a single investment. Once you buy into one, you're essentially almost guaranteeing yourself market growth because you bought the whole market. Let's take an index fund that follows the S&P 500. The index fund tracks the 500 biggest companies in the US. Two of these go down. We don't care. We have 498 companies that make up the rest of them. This also has diversified diversification built into it. We get people saying all the time, we as in me, get people saying all the time to me, I want to diversify my stock portfolio. I'll buy some Apple. I'll buy some Walmart. Why not dive into the 500 largest companies in the US? That's innately diverse and it reduces risk. Index funds. So why are index funds a good investment? You're asking yourself. I explained what it is straight into the ground. We're on ground level. We know what's going on. Since 1900, listen to this. The S&P 500 has averaged 198% return by decade and about a 10% average return per year. Investing inside of an index fund that follows the S&P 500, that's not a bad move. When you hear returns like that, that's, that's, 
straightforward as it gets. And when you buy an index fund and you buy with the intentions of holding it for as long as you possibly can, you can start letting that compound growth do its thing. Which brings me to my next point, that it's more important to have time in the market than it is to try and time the market. The old investment haiku, as they say. Because it's impossible to time the market, no one can. It's like trying to predict the future. But if you buy now and just pound your investments as often as you can, and you buy, 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 and you hold, 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 your compound growth will do the talking for you. You'll be buying at dips, you'll be buying at highs, you'll be riding the wave. Another reason to jump into index funds in addition to its history of growth is because it's easy. Choose an index fund, either through Vanguard or Fidelity. I use Vanguard. Set up an automatic investment. If you put $200 toward an index fund every month and it had a rate of return of 10%, you'd be a millionaire after 40 years. The most difficult aspect of index fund investing is just setting up your account, and that only takes a handful of minutes. So let's talk about best investment strategies. And there are three that I'm going to go over. If you are closer to retirement, you'd want a more conservative investing strategy. While if you are younger and you got a lot of time left in the market, you'll want a more aggressive investment strategy. Hi, friends. This is Nicholas Itali, and each week I cook up a delicious podcast for you that is hot and ready to consume. If you're satisfied with the taste, feel free to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and then send this episode to two of your friends that you think would enjoy it. Head to courses.nicholasitali.com to enroll in the Get Out of Debt Like a Maniac course. The course that helps you get out of debt, learn to manage your money, and build a life toward financial freedom. Use the promo code TheNNShow30 for 30% off your order. That's courses.nicholasitali.com, promo code TheNNShow30 for 30% off. Or enter the giveaway by leaving a five-star review, screenshotting it, and posting it to your Instagram story tagging me at Nicholas Natale. And may we never forget, this episode was professionally mixed and mastered by Grant. Grant Singer. If you'd like Grant to audio engineer your podcast, film, or music, reach out to him on Instagram at Grant E. Singer. His handle will be in the show notes or reach out to him on his website, singerville.com. He is waiting to hear from you. He's waiting outside in the cold. It's getting cold out there. Call him. All right, back to the episode. One of the more popular index fund investing strategies is the three fund portfolio, meaning you have a percentage of U.S. stock index, international stock index, and a bond index. And then you rebalance your percentages based on your age and how close you are to retirement. For example, if you're a young buck, you could have anywhere from 60% to 80% in the U.S. stock index, 10% in bonds, and the remaining in the international. Then when you're approaching retirement, you could swap your asset allocation to be 70% bonds, 20% U.S. stocks, and 10% international. You get the idea. You're mixing and matching. The pros of the three-fund portfolio strategy is it's, it's simple, it's well-diversified, it's customizable, and it's flexible. You got a lot of funds to choose from. And essentially, you know, anybody can do it. The cons to the three-fund portfolio are it requires asset allocation decisions. You got to make those decisions on like, you know, rebalancing, reallocating, how much percentage in the U.S., how much in the international. And really, rebalancing doesn't have to be insanely hard. You could just up your contribution to one fund over the others until you're at a percentage that you'd like to be at. So don't be intimidated by that. It probably takes a handful of minutes to accomplish an example of a three-fund portfolio. This is an example 
okay, I'm not your financial advisor and I'm also not your father. So invest at your own risks. Oh, yeah, your own risk. Your own sacrifice your own risk when you invest. Uh, you could do a VT Sachs for your US stock index. You could do VTIAX for your international stock index. Then you could do VBTLX for your bond index. That's assuming you're that's assuming you're investing with Vanguard. Since we're since we're on the topic, I'm gonna give you some some large cap S&P 500 following index funds. You got VFIAX, VLCAXCAX, VT Sachs, and then another good one is VFIFX, and this is a target index, a target index fund, which brings me to my next investment strategy: target day index funds. Let's talk about them because they are dope. <laughs> they have the U.S. stock index inside of them. They have the international stock index inside of them. And they have a bond index inside of them. This is all just one fund. And they break it up with a 54% in U.S., 36% in international, and 10% in bonds. That's the diversification when you're first starting out. And they're all named after a year. And the year is represented of the year that you'd like to retire. So, you know, if it's, it's VFIFX 2050, they're assuming that the year you want to retire is 2050. And as you get closer to that year, your target day index fund is automatically going to shift to reflect a more conservative portfolio. It's doing the rebalancing and re, re, reallocation for you. How sweet is that? It's more aggressive in the beginning, and then toward the end, it gets more conservative. It does all the work for you. And Vanguard has a photo on their website, and then I'll link it in the show notes. It, it, it's, a, it's a photo. <laughs> it's a photo of their target date glide path, and it essentially shows how it reallocates over time. So, you know, you're, you're 20 years out from retirement. There will be a, sh- a change, a shift from, you know, having majority stocks to starting to dabble with more bonds. It's pretty incredible, this thing, and it takes all of the guesswork out of investing. It is mind-boggling. These do have a tendency to be more conservative. I believe Jack Bogle himself said so, but there's a simple solution to this. You can just push the retirement year back that you chose. So if you are going to retire in 2050, but you want a more aggressive portfolio for longer, you just say... I'm going to retire in 2060, even if you're going to retire in 2050. That way, it'll be more aggressive for longer. The third investment strategy is my personal, not saying this is the best way. I'm just saying it is a way, and it is the way that I am doing it. And I'm just going to tell you what my current portfolio looks like. That's all I'm going to do. And I like to think that my portfolio is fairly diversified. So I'm invested 25% in an international index, 25% in a small cap index, 25% 25% in a mid-cap index. Then I got 25% in a large-cap index that's tracking the S&P 500. I'm a young man with an aggressive portfolio. No bonds for me. With each of these three strategies, you're buying and you're holding. You're buying, you're holding. And if you want to invest in index funds, I recommend, I know I already did an episode on Roth IRAs and such, but I recommend opening a Roth IRA, buying your index funds, inside of your Roth, maxing it out every year, and then go on and open a brokerage account and start investing in index funds inside of your brokerage account. 
after you've maxed out your Roth. Another worthy form of investment to note is an ETF. What is an ETF? ETF stands for Exchange Traded Funds, and they were introduced about 15 years after the first index fund, and they're super similar to index funds. Truthfully, index funds were created in 1976. (laughs) That you can fact check me on because that's off the top of my dome, but I am 100% certain. The similarities between ETFs and index funds are that they both have low expense ratios, We love that. And they both contain a collection of stocks that that try to track the market. We also love that. The differences it has from index funds, and there's two big fatties, big fat differences, is that with index funds, you can only buy and sell shares once per day. But with ETFs, you can buy and sell shares whenever the stock market is open. So you can trade it as if it were a single stock. It's wild. If you invest in an S&P 500 index fund and you invest in an S&P 500 ETF, they will likely perform almost exactly the same. And the main reason I can think of that you'd invest in an ETF over an index fund is if you can't afford the index fund minimum. The solid index funds, you know, such as VT Sachs or VLCACs, have a minimum investment of $3,000. So a strategy you could use since ETFs you buy and sell with shares is you could buy a share of ETF, maybe it's like 400 bucks, and then you keep pounding that. And then once you have over $3,000, you can sell it and then you can buy an index fund. Another reason would be if to invest in an ETF over an index fund would be if wherever you're buying your funds doesn't have index funds, but they have ETFs. ETFs would be a solid investment in that in that case. So three more reasons why I like index funds over ETFs or ETFs. As I mentioned, you got to buy per share. So if your share is $400 and you have $500, you can only buy a single share at a time or you can only buy that a single share, right? And then your $100 is going to sit there and wait for it to become $400 so you can buy another share. With an index fund, you can invest in dollars. After you make the initial purchase of 3,000 bones, you can pump in as little as much as, as you like. You got 20 bucks, toss it in there. You got 800 bucks, toss it in there. You don't got to wait until you have enough to buy a share, which makes investing a lot easier, in my opinion, at least much more convenient. Secondly, with an ETF, you cannot reinvest automatically. And what I love and what is quite possibly One of my favorite traits of an index fund is that you can reinvest automatically. Index funds allow you to deposit from your checking account at no additional charge, making it an absolute no-brainer into a index fund. You can automate good investing habits. You know, I have it set up to invest X amount every month. So no matter what, you're chilling. With an ETF, you have to go in, buy more shares of the ETF each month, which means more work. I mean, it takes two minutes, but you got to remember to do it every month, right? That's a that's another thing to write down on your to-do list. Why not just automate it? Lastly, and I've heard many investors say this, is that ETFs, since they have the ability to be traded like a stock, it'll tempt us to day trade or to move stuff around instead of buy it and just hold it forever. I mean, buying and holding should be your investing strategy, but 
when you have the option to trade that emotional temptation of, oh man, my ETF's real high right now. Maybe I'll sell, oh, or maybe my ETF's low and I'm panicking. Maybe I should sell. But at the end of the day, you should just buy and hold and hold, hold, hold. So index funds put you in a better position because you can only make one trade per day. Solid ETFs, once again, not your financial advisor, but I am your friend, VTI and VOO. Those are solid ETFs. If you want to double check my work there, you can go to morningstar.com and then type in VTI or VOO and check out their performance and their expense ratios and all the details. Not sponsored or affiliated in any degree, but I do like that website. So all in all, if I had to rank these investments, I'd say mutual funds, last place for sure because of their fees. Next, ETFs. I like them. Simply, they don't come in first because it's less convenient to buy them. And although they would perform exactly the same as an index fund. And then I'd say an index fund would be the almighty investment out of the pack with the pairing of either you just buy a target date index fund or you rock the three fund portfolio or you take my my strategy of the, the quarter, 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 but the three fund and the target date index funds are the, the more popular choices. And once you start making these investments, buy and hold, you don't tweak anything. Buy the index fund or the target date retirement fund and just hold it. Pound these investments as often as you can. Try your best to max them out every year and just hold it until you're old so you can enjoy the benefits of the compound growth. That was the episode you just listened to. It uploads every Friday at 6 a.m. The real reason you're still here. You want to know the answer to the riddle of the week? Why couldn't the chili practice archery? He didn't habanero. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a good one. He didn't habanero. Whew. Don't forget to leave a five-star review, screenshot it, and share it to your Instagram story tagging me for a chance to win a seat in the Get Out of Debt Like a Maniac course. Be sure to say something nice to your friends, and I will see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.